to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi everybody, we are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing fairly well. Especially because the weather's nice, right? No, the weather is nice. Yeah. I'm also having this like time warp issue right now. My oldest daughter turned 30 today. That's amazing. I remember going into labor with her like it was yesterday. And I'm just like, what? Where did 30 years go? 30 years. I mean, add to that that it makes me feel really old. But (laughs) (laughs) 30 years. It's crazy. It really is. It's hard to believe. Like, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, I have a 24-year-old and a 22-year-old. And I'm like, I don't know how that's all possible. Right. then today, I felt young because I was at Publix with Will. Uh And Wednesday is Senior Citizens Day at Publix. (laughs) (laughs) And I I used to always accidentally go to Publix on Wednesday when I was a teacher because Monday I taught – Monday and Tuesday I taught a class after school. So I didn't have time to go to the grocery store. And Thursday we had faculty meetings, so I didn't have time. And Friday was Friday. So half the time I'd be at the grocery store and be Wednesday. I'd be like, whoop, Senior Citizens Day. You're like youngest one in the store. (laughs) I was (laughs) – I might be eligible for this because I'm now a member of the AARP because they sponsor intermittent fasting stores. Oh my gosh. Now, so funny. But I mean, there's like a lot of good discounts. What stuff. is the year? Wait, is it 55? Well, it's it's in your 50s. Like, you know, really in your 50s is when you can join. But I'm also retired. I'm a retired school teacher. I oh get teacher gosh. retirement. So I was like, at Publix, I was like, I might be eligible for senior citizen. She's like, no, you have to be 60. And then I felt young. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since I'm 52. You've got years. <laughs> i got a long time to go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I am retired. And I am a member of the AARP. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we're always either too old or too young, Sherry. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, I know. When I moved to Alabama, I got carded all the time and it would make me so mad in Denver I really didn't get carded I I mean I don't know maybe they're just not that they don't care out there I don't know but here like everywhere and still to this day there's one grocery store I can go buy beer at and they don't card me and then one of them cards me every time public I always cards feel me good every about that time. I always feel like oh I look like I could be 20 it annoys <laughs> me so much so much That's like funny I'm like really look at me Look, do you see this gray hair? Listen. (laughs) Well, take it as a compliment instead. (laughs) Oh, I just think it's a silly rule. Well, uh, we definitely are not (laughs) passing for 20. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm saying, right? (laughs) I'm like, come on, common sense here. Yeah. Anyway, well, now it's time for our weekly good news segment. And today we have an email to share from Tiffany. 
She wrote, hello, Jen and Sherry. I wanted to share this story with you and my fellow podcast listeners for your good news segment. On February 2nd, I dropped off my daughter, my 19-month-old grandson, and one-month-old granddaughter at the airport for them to head home after a 10-day visit. I was feeling particularly down as I knew it would be about two months before I would see them again. I decided to stop by a convenience store on my way to work to find a snack to make me feel better. Yes, I do intermittent fasting and I normally don't have my one meal a day until dinner, but I was feeling my feelings at that moment and made the decision to open my window early. I pulled in the parking lot, hopped out of my car and headed to the door. As I grabbed the door handle, enter, I heard a voice behind me yell, ma'am. I stopped dead in my tracks and turned around to see if that person was addressing me. I turned to see a guy standing half out of his car, yelling around the side of his open door. I love your hair. It's awesome. Of course, I smiled and graciously thanked him. And about that time, another customer was walking up to the door and our eyes met. He said, well, that was interesting. I shrugged and we both kind of laughed. And then he said, but your hair really does look good. I giggled and thanked him as well. I purchased my goodies and headed out to my car. The same guy was still out there and he popped his head out of his car again and he said, ma'am, I'm completely serious. I think your hair is really gorgeous. I thanked him again and got in my car. I honestly had to wipe away some tears, not only from missing my daughter and grandchildren, but from the genuine kindness from those two men that have no idea how much I needed that pick-me-up at that moment. Their simple words truly and honestly turned my day around. It goes to show you, you just never know how a few words of kindness might change someone's day. We definitely need more of this in the world these days. So I would like to give a shout out to those gentlemen and a thank you from the bottom of my heart for putting a pet back in my step that day. She says, a side note or a little backstory, I stopped coloring my hair in April 2016, and I also embraced my natural curls and waves. Transitioning to my natural hair at the age of 44 has had its ups and downs. Definitely more ups than downs, and I've never gotten more compliments on my hair in my whole life than I have in the last four years. A woman actually stopped me in Costco one day, and we ended up chatting for 20 minutes. Thank you both for your time, your effort, your insight, and the friendship you provide all of us every week. Oh, I love that story. And, you know, I think that just shows take the time to compliment someone. I mean, don't like make up a fake compliment, right? But, you know, that that will seem insincere. But when you see someone and you notice something about them that looks, you're like, oh, I love that. Just tell them. If it's enough to have it go through your mind that you notice something that you like, share it. I did that in an elevator once and the person just stared at me the whole time I was in the elevator, like... <laughs> suspiciously. And I was just like, I really was just, I think I told them I liked their, their dress or something. And they were just kept looking at me like, what does she want? But that just tells you how often, how unusual it unusual, is. Unusual. Yeah, it is for mm-hmm. people to not just get random compliments. Well, I, I make an effort to really try to engage people all the time now out in public. Like today when I was at the grocery store and, you know, engaging the lady at the checkout counter and just, you know, that you, you say things that are just like pleasantries, but take it just a little step further. Like when they when they say, have a nice day, say, you too, have a great afternoon. Like they they hear that and they... It makes them feel, oh, yeah. My husband told somebody the other day, I think we went through a drive-thru and got a milkshake or something. And as he, after he paid, he said, you have a great day. And I turned to him, I said, gosh, you're so nice. And he said, how is that nice? And I'm like, I don't think I've ever just like, like if they say, thank you, have a good day. I'm like, you too. But I just have never 
well, I now do that, that all effort. Time. You know what I mean? No, I am now, I'm and like it's not a that I don't care. Effort. I'm just right. busy just and in my head. To do. Yeah. Well, I am now making a conscious effort to connect with those people that I come across, whatever it might be. It might be the person entering the store with me and we, you know, hold the door open and I make a little comment. Just, you know, anything like that. It's really given me is picking up my day too. Yeah, I need to. When Eric did yeah, that, doing I was it. like, I need to do that more yeah. often. Get out of my head and be more present, you know, with Absolutely. the people around me. Instead of just parroting back. Right. You know, like, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And it's just something I'm taking the time to do. So and listeners, y'all do that too. <laughs> That's your homework. Spread the joy. Yeah. <laughs> pay it forward. And listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the weekly life lesson, I want to take a minute to tell you about some of the companies that make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. So people ask me all the time what meal kit delivery I use. And to be honest, I use several. My husband's and my taste preference is vastly different. He loves carby sides and my body doesn't love them. I love veggies and he couldn't care less if he ever eats another one. So I tend to order from two services each week. His favorite is Home Chef. It tends to be more homestyle cooking and it's less exotic than some of the others. I really like the simplicity of pairing hungry root veggies and whole grain sides with meat from ButcherBox. So I get him Home Chef and then I do my own thing. Occasionally I opt for Sun Basket if I'm feeling inspired to do a little bit more cooking and prep. Or if I'm having a super busy week, I take advantage of their fresh and ready pre-cooked meals. To learn about any of these services, visit lifelessonscommunity.com and go to the Shop With Us tab where you can find discount codes to give them a try. And I'll also put some links in show notes. Yeah, these companies are just life-changing. You know, I like to think about the the two things that have changed my life the most. Number one, intermittent Intermittent fasting. fasting. Number two, these meal kits. Yep. Like when I say that, I am not just making that up <laughs> because I know what's for dinner tonight because I got it in there. We're having Sun Basket tonight. It just simplifies life. Yeah. I get Sun Basket once a week. I get Green Chef once a week. Eric, I get usually about three meals from each. And so like I cooked him Home Chef before we recorded the podcast today and he went to work. And then like I've got Sun Basket that I'll cook myself later when we get done. It makes two meals, so he's got leftovers for tomorrow, and it just works out so well. And it does, and it's like something good. Yes. Yeah, lots of veggies. Yes. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about the discommunication crisis that is common in all of our lives. We've all had experiences where we have sent off an important email and then don't get a reply. Maybe it's to your boss and you're on pins and needles wondering, did they get your message and are they thinking on it? Or maybe they didn't deem it important and they're ignoring you. Or worse, maybe they are mad about it. Think about your friends and family. Have you ever been texting your boyfriend or girlfriend, significant other, only for them to not return your text for over 24 hours? Or maybe you're trying to reach your kids all day and they won't answer or text you back. In all of these scenarios, quite often, people tend to jump to the conclusion that something is terribly wrong. We jump to worst case scenario. And we had a podcast a couple months ago about worst case scenario. So today we are joined by Sam George, author of I'll Get Back to You, 
The Discommunication Crisis, Why Unreturned Messages Drive Us Crazy and What to Do About It. So welcome, Sam. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I don't know about what your the worst case scenario, but part of what I'm going to tell you today, just to bounce off of that, is that the worst case scenario is unavoidable and it's a part of our neuroscience, but I'll get back into that later. These sort of, all oh, these negative loops we do, oh my God, the negative loops and blah, 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 the catastrophizing. Oh no, that's you, okay? And it's not your ancient brain, you know, your monkey mind. It's the most advanced part of your brain, but I'll save that for a second. So yeah, I mean, you really did a good job of describing it. You sound like someone who has experienced this for sure, because we all have, you know? And that's what inspired me to write about this was that, you know, Jesus, this is a thing that causes a lot of discomfort and actually fear. I was studying fear. And this is how I came upon this. You know, I don't buy into the notion that fear is this you know, ancient thing, fight or flight. I don't go back to primitive times to explain fear. And so I was trying to figure out what the dynamics of fear is. And then this came up. So I said, this is really interesting. And this is something more digestible to make my point than an overall treatise on fear. So what happens is that I did a bunch of professional focus groups talking to people about this experience because my background is in politics, political communication, doing televisions and ads, and then from there into digital. And then I conducted numerous polls on every single aspect of this. I mean, I didn't know what this was. Like, I couldn't really, I knew that it bothered me, but I wasn't able to really boom, 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 figure out like the sequencing and the frequency and what were the triggers. And I've got it down to a formula and according to my polling. So, you know, a lot of people that do these kinds of self-help, self da, 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 mine is based on polling. It is based on concrete polling. And everything I say to you today, at least 70% of Americans have said that they have this on a regular basis. And so what happens is when somebody doesn't return your message, first of all, it doesn't take long, right? I mean, in a way, we're kind of wondering just when we're writing the email, right? (laughs) Are they going to understand, you know, how do I write this? You know, because it starts out right there with the anxiety of, (laughs) of trying to figure out how to write an email. And I'll explain why we need to do that. And then the next stage is, can you shoot the email off? Well, there's two things your mind, have they got it? But also, do they understand? These are kind of things in your head, right, that are playing out. So they could be not returning your message for either one of those is bad news. So the first stage is you have anxiety, agitation. This is the first stage. Then you decide something is wrong. Now, never mind that 99% of the time that you've had a missed contact like that, a couple of days later, the email, you catch up with them and there's a perfectly rational way. And you know this, but you keep on doing this. And this is why I'm trying to say it's hardwired. So you decide something's wrong and that whatever has to do with wrong somehow relates back to you. Okay. Somehow, it, you know, something relates back to you. And then, not to, this only could in a matter by by evening. I mean, the email could have been sent out or text in a, by evening or even earlier. You jump automatically to the worst case scenario, 
Now, it's not just that the worst case scenario is negative. Let's say you lined up five negative scenarios and five positive scenarios. Well, they won't work because a worst case scenario is the only one that's definitive, right? A worst case scenario, imagine it's a narrative, right? It provides a concrete end to the story. That's it. I mean, like all these other things are hypothetical. Well, Sam is busy. He's brushing his teeth or Sam is conspiring. These things are, are hypothetical. We can only whatever, you know, gives us closure. Now, ironically, the next stage is then a negative loop goes in our heads, right? We can't get this out of ourselves. It keeps on looping, right? Whatever catastrophizing that we're thinking about, it doesn't take much, doesn't take much. And, you know, the irony here is that most of these contacts that we're doing this about are our colleagues and our relationships, people we know. That much distrust that this creates. And that's why text messaging is so negative in terms of relationships. It's inevitable today, but this is one of the reasons text messaging has been overall. And, you know, can I, can I hop in there for a minute? One of the things that makes text messaging even more, I don't know, upsetting is the red receipt. You know how it can say red at the bottom or not. Some people can turn that off, but like my husband, his is not turned off. So if I text him and it says red, but he doesn't respond, that's like the worst. I'm like, what? <laughs> you're right. You're right. You read I mean, it? Where, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a double whammy with text because one, there's a greater expectation, right? Right. That they're going to get back to you in a prompt way. You know, it's more like a, it's closer to, to a real time communication. Right. So it feels more instantaneous. And then secondly, there's a greater expectation. It doesn't matter, but I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a text or an email. It doesn't matter if there's a flag or not, if there was a flag or not a flag, but yeah, I can see how that even that contributes to, but it's going to happen either way. I'll give you an example. This is how simple it. I mean, I'm just going to give you an example that a man or a woman go on their third date. You know, so this is not their first date. This is the third date. Okay, I'm going to just give this side of it. I'm not going to give the male side of it because you know men men are a little bit more oblivious to things. <laughs> so, lady, woman sends a letter. They went to a restaurant. She said. Hey, had a great time. Thank you so much. Okay, you sent that at seven o'clock, uh, nine o'clock at night. Now it's eleven. Huh? Have her back. It's one. Have mm, her back. It's four o'clock. This relationship is doomed. He doesn't want to be with me. He's not into me. And even if he was into me, this relationship is doomed. Okay. So you don't even have to write. Nothing has to happen. Right. And that's why I tell people when I have prescriptions, they'll send, don't, if you're going to send a text, always ask for a response, you know. So in this case, you say, hey, I had a great time last night. And by the way, the pasta was superb. Do you think they make their own pasta? <laughs> At least, you know what I'm saying? You've put a, Leave question, a question that they have to answer. Oh, or should. I'll get back into the answers. Okay. But yeah, I mean, with text in particular. So I would say that, oh, vast majority of the texting is not asking for a response. 
<laughs> it's presuming a response, but not asking for a response. But nonetheless, it will drive you crazy, like you said. That so, is uh, hilarious. So my husband and I, we have worked so hard on communication. My husband is not a strong communicator. He's sort of the silent, quiet, ruminating type. And I would send him these texts and I would never get a reply. And it drove me insane. And I said, why do you never reply to my text? And he says, you didn't ask a question. <laughs> See, Eric is a genius. <laughs> He's really a genius. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know what? Your husband's a very intelligent man. I, I, isn't he, right? Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah, I, He's a smart guy. I know that. <laughs> So this just really one thing you can do is send a text that has a question attached to it. That's just like mind blown. Yeah, I, we'll get to the solutions, okay? I just want okay. to get in here. So <laughs> so you have this, let's go back to this experience, okay? Worst case scenario, you jump to a worst case scenario. You don't know why, but you always jump to a worst case scenario. I'm telling you, eventually I'll explain why. You do this for closure, but it can never be like a, Anything else is an open end, right? It's closure, worst case scenario. And then you catastrophize it, like other things you catastrophize in your life. They just keep on circling in your head. And no matter how you try and talk yourself out of it, it bothers you. And there's, you know, there's ways you can do. I mean, in terms of this experience in my book, I do have sort of natural tranquilizers, you know, uh, things that you know, a one minute breathing exercise that will kick in your calm you down to distract yourself. That's really the strategy. You have to calm yourself down. And once you calm yourself down for a minute, like a few few breaths, then you can just distract yourself. You have to take the fuel away from the fire because the more agitated you are, it just keeps feeding that. So if you can take that I fuel mean, from the fire. I mean, even breath, you know, intake, hold it for 10 then, you know, whatever, out blow five, you know, basically something like that, as simple as that, you know, so five, 10, five. So, you you know, that's something that simple in taking a breath for five seconds, holding it for 10, releasing it for five. Okay. Don't really, and then do that five times and you'll be fine. You'll be calmed down or you can just count. That's another stress, an ancient strategy. One, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> this is old school. I used to tell you people to count. You know, if you count to 100, you know, you'll be calmed down too. If you can count that far. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this is the story today. So the question is, you know, the polling shows that these are all valid, you know, reasons why. And I'm going to jump the gun here. I'm going to get into the Normally, because you won't understand, there's two theoretical frameworks that really make you understand this. One is the, the discommunication crisis, and the other is the discommunication syndrome. But we've already talked about that, then so we're going to get right into it. The discommunication, and I must tell you, many times on these shows, on the syndrome aspect, uh, you know, they get kind of get a glaze, you know. <laughs> but uh, since we're talking about it, the, the communication thing is more tangible. So the brain processes reality owned through patterns. Our whole brain is nothing but a pattern-making machine. So you complete a pattern that allows anything from a perception to a piece of knowledge to a song, and then you store the pattern. So if you hear a few notes of a song, Boom, you remember it. Well, how does that happen? That's because the pattern has been entirely stored in your head. And so 
because the brain is a pattern making process and because we no longer talk face to face or by phone directly. So there's a pattern that has to fill in. And the brain is relentless about this. And I'll go into other examples. There's not just this case. So when there's an incomplete loop, the brain wants this closure. It wants to complete the loop so that it can move on. And in this case, if they can't complete the loop, the brain literally forces you into worse. Why would you do this? I mean, you know better. You've done, this has happened a thousand times to you. You've gone in some crazy thing. They caught up with you, right? 99, not always, but 98% of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you, it's a party in your head, but you keep on doing it. Why do you jump to the worst case scenario? Well, it's simply because, it, you know, that means it has to be a structure. So it's either a fear mechanism or it, no, in this case, it's actually the brain, the neocortex, the advanced part of the brain that wants to complete the loop and will do everything. So it literally forces it and then catastrophizing and all that. That's just part of the, ironically, the, once the brain is satisfied in completing its pattern, that's just the beginning for us of the chaos and, <laughs> and the questioning and stuff like that. But all worst case scenarios are, most all are related back to this dynamic. So for example, if, if someone is late, right? Always. They were in an accident or something bad happened to them, right? Within like 15 minutes, brain can't complete the pattern. Predictable pattern was they were supposed to be here by this time. Boom. Instant. I think my brain might be broken. Does your brain not do that? Shay? No, not at all. Oh, mine does. I don't really worry about anything. I be, see I'm chronically late and I don't know how to watch the clock. So I'm just like, oh, they're just running late. Like I never, ever think like, oh, they broke down the side of the road or something happened. My brain doesn't go there. And I work in a trauma center. Like I said, only 70% of the people, you know what I mean? Okay, 70%. So you you could be part of the 30%. Sounds like you're 30 in the 30, (laughs) sure. But I am definitely part of the 70, but it's worse if you can't reach them. Like if they're supposed to be there and they're not looking at the text and they're not answering the phone. Well, this is what happens is that they're preoccupied. So a mother, I mean, a mother like waiting for their kid, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You see, what I'm trying to get at is it becomes self-inflicted. Not only does she think something's bad that happened to her kid, she blames herself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is what's really kind of amazing is that she, so that is, that's kind of the dynamic, but strangely enough, and this is true, and I talk about it at the end of the book, but the reason why you have to develop sort of a proactive strategy is because Worst case scenario is a fact of human existence. And the reason it's a fact, it doesn't have to do with how confident you are, whether you do yoga or not, or if you had the first child or the third child, all this BS. They've written a million books about this, right? Now, I think in some long-term ways, right? Some people just have long-term, but if you're talking a more narrow uh, bandwidth, like about you know, in a a context, not in a whole philosophy of life, right? Those books are applicable for people that, you know, just have philosophies like that. But no, it's just simply your brain. It's your brain doing its thing. It's trying to complete a pattern and you're stuck with a worst case scenario and you just have to catch. So the awareness is very important. I know now that I'm able to catch these worst case scenarios 
and identify them. And that helps a lot to know the process. It doesn't stop them from impinging on me. You know, it doesn't stop them from bothering me, but at least I know what that is. And by reading the book, you know, I go through these chapters and I explain how this works in different contexts, you know, give you strategies like dating and and, and with your kids and, and, and with your colleagues at work, you know. But the mechanism is basically that if a message is unreturned, but this gets us back, there is an overall context and that is digital communication. I mean, digital communication is the dominant way that we talk today. Well, we don't talk. In other words, digital communication by definition, this is the big thing. It's abstract and it's kind of boring. But no, the reason people complain about digital communication, blah, 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 too many. No, the problem is not the technology. 80% of the people open up their emails on their phone, roughly. And then 100% open up their text on their phone. Same technology, telephone. Okay, so it's not the technology. The issue is something very, very simple. Right now, we have direct feedback, what's known as immediate feedback. I say something, you respond. If you need to question, you need to clarify. You know what I mean? You literally, let me ask, could you do this through email or text messaging? No, that would be difficult. Okay, let's say, let's say how many emails, if you did it by emails or text, I mean, how many would that be? Right. It would be a lot. Days. Thousands upon thousands, right? <laughs> so the first thing is the digital crisis, the digital community. The discommunication crisis means, what is discommunication? It simply means that communication no longer has direct and immediate feedback. But that's, in terms of human, in terms of conversation, that's the definition of conversation. Even in this day, you know, we're not talking about communications like newspapers and things like that. But even to this very, you know, we're talking about human communication between each other, conversation. Oxford, all these dictionaries to this very day do not have room for digital conversations. There is no such thing. A, a conversation, the presumption and by definition is an immediate feedback loop. So there's no such thing as a digital conversation. There really isn't. And when you look back on your emails and texts, sometimes in text for a short period of time, you know, it can be kind of a conversation till someone disappears on you. Right, right. <laughs> and then you're, then you're right back where, you know. But by definition, there's a delay. And that's huge. That's the reason we have so many emails. That's the reason we have so much miscommunication. That's the reason is because of this, this gap. And so I don't care what anybody says. I mean, would we have been happier in a role without emails and texts? Absolutely. Absolutely happier. Well, we may have been happier, but man, it was complicated. I remember we were, I got together with some college friends recently. We all graduated from college in 1990. So we were reminiscing the days when we had just graduated and we had landlines and that was all we had. And we were planning a trip to go see, I think, Jimmy Buffett. We were going to a Jimmy Buffett concert and where were we going to stay? But we were all in different states and different towns. And we're like, how did we arrange that trip? Back then, because now we're all on a text thread together where we're all just texting in real time. Like, can you do it this weekend? No, can you do it this weekend? But back in, you know, 1990, right after we had graduated from college, 
I don't even know how we did it. Did we like mail a letter to somebody and just now mail? Well, a that's a good point. I'm overstating my point to right. make a point. Right. I'm overstating my point to make a point. Obviously, you'd be happy either way. We all adapt to life, right? No matter what life curve throws us, we adapt. Listen, the problem with digital communication is us, not the digital. I mean, we don't want to even have a conversation anymore with people, okay? I was on a ghosting, you know, like it's a younger, under 30, you know, like a podcast about that. And I said, well, you know, it helps when you're first dating to have a telephone call. She says, they won't talk to us. <laughs> there are, are a lot me? of people who don't want to talk on they the phone. They're not, like, the guy's not going to talk you? to me. You know, so Just text I, me. I, I, so, but, but here's the thing that we miss, though. Okay, There's just the fragility, because it's not just every time you go into this worst case scenario scenario. Many times you're thinking about, we're all waiting for an email. I'll bet you right now, you both have emails out there. You're probably, you think about, okay, I sent so-and-so, I haven't heard back. You know, we're, we're thinking about our, our emails all the time. Everybody's waiting for someone. And because we don't know if they'll get it, we don't know for sure we'll hear back. And I think in terms of before you go into a worst case scenario, the greatest fear is that they misunderstood you. They really didn't get your point. And often they do misunderstand you, and that's exactly why they don't back to you. The written word is hard to it's hard to get the emotion and the feeling in there, and it can often be misunderstood. An exclamation point versus a period can make somebody crazy. I agree with you, but I disagree with these people that say, you know, the face to it doesn't have to be face to face. I mean, I can have a phone conversation with somebody. If you're intuitive, you can read. The pauses, the tone of vote. I mean, I don't need an, I don't need a face to face to read the person. Okay, what they're what they're saying. But the thing is, with direct feedback, there's a look at this conversation. You have laughs. You know, you you go back and forth. The text messaging is this narrow. It's not even a puddle. A conversation is an ocean. So, in other words, the amount of the expanse. That's why you can't do that. So we have contracting. We're contracting our business, our personalized. We're contracting everything to a dot, okay? Literally. And out of our own laziness, we won't do any more. And I can just tell you that, you know, overall, I'd say overall, there's positive and negatives. But the problem is nobody really sees. I mean, outside of too many emails, and you know, and some miscommunication things. But I don't think people really, certainly the experience that I'm talking about has never been sent by any human being. I don't think any human being has ever said to you or anybody that's listening to this show is, hey, you know, I have this experience where I go into all these bizarre thoughts and, you know, I don't know what to do with myself. Nobody talks about this. And every, you know, you know, they sometimes females will come up to me, not men, in a dating scene situation and ask my advice. Why do you think he's not returning my tech? But they're not going into the crazy scenarios in their head. They're just saying, Hey, he's not returning my message. What does this mean? You know, now that's not to say that they're not ha they're they're having these crazy scenarios. They just don't share them. So that would be the closest I think women do talk about these unreturned messages and what they might be. But that's a far cry from getting into the whole ludicrousy of what I talk about. So the question so, is, what can we? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just getting ready to say that. What do we do about it? You you read my mind. <laughs> There's two chapters in the book. I'll give you just a simple thing. These are geared towards emails, but they, like I'll, I'll include text as well. I don't, the first 
thing you do is in the cases of email is that you do not put, you know, what I do now is digital fundraising. You know, in politics, I moved from TV ads to political ads to digital ads. And now I have a couple of, of nonprofits that I run and I do my old digital fundraising. So I've, I've developed some expertise on how to get, you know, all the little games of the trick. And the most important trick in the game is to get them to open them. I mean, we use subject line. There's all kinds of websites like, uh-oh, your prescription has expired or see you at seven. Things like this that get people to open the emails. You have to do the same thing. The open rate is under 40% across the board, whether you're talking to a stranger or your friends or whatever, people don't even open them. I have over 18,000 unopened messages on my phone right okay, now. Okay, there you go. So, <laughs> so they're not opening the email. So the, so the worst thing you can do is put the subject of the email in the subject line. Oh, so gosh. I tell people, Oh, absolutely. That's what I don't only do. <laughs> I'll explain to you what happens okay. and why it is. The main reason that people don't return your message is either there's so much email it gets lost, or two, this is a big reason, they see it, they log it, and they forget. For a lot of times, like that will get back to you a couple of days later, but meanwhile, you've gone in your little fit. <laughs> your, your little worst case scenario fit, but that's not going to give you any good. So that's what you find out. I know I, I've got a bunch of those that are in the back of my mind, or you forget it. And so that's the problem. Now, if you just have the subject line, it's very easy. Oh, I know what that's about. Oh, you know, something, if you see something predictable, listen, most of the time we're in front of our emails, either by phone or by text, right? Most of the time. So it's not like we don't see this stuff come in. That is a very big reason. So make the make them get interested, grab their attention with a subject line that they're like curious about. The only way to, to guarantee a quick response is to get them to open the email on the spot because they can, right? And so you have to put what I tell people. You know, what I'll share with you is: let me ask you, either one of you. Think of the first thing that can't, comes in your mind, and not about this conversation, like a color or sky or whatever. Whatever comes in your mind. What's what, name something? One word. Fun. Fun. Money. What? <laughs> money. money. I don't know. We'll go with money. Yeah, fun is a little bit, you know, but fun is a little redundant. But it's one of. But like blue, green, money. Money would be great. You put money in the head. Oh, that's a sure winner. Oh my god. I, you could use that the rest of your life. Just there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 oh man, that actually is brilliant. But I may, I might use that. I'm going to use that in my next. I use ones about money, but I, my next email I send out tomorrow, I'm going to actually make the subject line just money. There you go. Woo! I would open anything that said like winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'd be like, yeah. what? I, what? what I tell people though is that you know obviously these are friends, these are colleagues. You don't want to get, you don't want to spend too much time. So just think of the first thing, you know, blue, green, you know, what, just anything that got some, you know, ah, oh, what's this about, right? Any kind of thing that backs, you know, that breaks their attention. So you do that, that'll get them to open the email. And if they open the email, back to this brain, I you know our process, our brain wants to close the loop. 
there's a high probability, about an 80% probability, they'll respond to you uh, if they're going to respond. They're not going to come back to it. They're going to respond to it unless you've asked them too so much. So you really, you want them to, to, in order to get a response, they need to open it the first time they see it. And then you're more it's likely to get a response. I know from all kinds of data in our industry, right? People don't go back. They either make the contribution, click, but then they'll go back and open up their emails. <laughs> it just like happens right on the spot. So there's no going back. And so, you know, sometimes you give people emails that are more substantive, which you should try and avoid, you know, the more work. But, you know, in that case, they might read it and have to return to it. But at least they'll remember. It. But now opening the emails, just that's only half the battle. People scan. That's the other problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know that. That's true. And then you like there were very clear directions about what to do. And they did none of that. Oh my God, I can put it in bold or whatever. People, I mean, it's unbelievable. I didn't see it. Where was it? I'm like, well. <laughs> oh my God. So there's a way around that. One of the things I tell people in my in my book, but but I do it myself, I'll just give you an example, is I never put more than one point in an email. One point. Send another email later or whatever. But if you have, here's the problem. Not only we're not antsy, it's just a disaster, you know. So always make it your subject about one one thing. And here's the key. Put their first name in. And this is true of text, too. Very rarely do you get a text, right, that says, you know, dear Bill or do Sarah, right? You don't get that. Or Sarah, comma. Very rarely. Because it's presumed. It's on your phone, right? Do that. Always do that. Do it in an email and do it in a text. Always address them by name. A salutation, first name, comma, always do that, text or email. And this is true, too, for both texts and emails. Use their name three times. Now, I'll just give you in the case of in, in an email and a text thing, it's not in one message, but it can be. So here's how you easily do it, an email or text, how the first email. So you say, Sam, blah, 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 blah. And then midway to get your call of action, which is going to be a question, you say Sam, comma. And then you end up and say, thanks, comma, Sam. Sam. I mean, that's three-way. I Listen, if you go in a grocery store and, and as somebody who hasn't seen you forever, you know, who you don't even know remembers your name, you feel like a movie star. <laughs> and so if just somebody having you your know, name in that email, just having yeah, them say you your know, name grabs your, your name, attention. Oh, my God. I had a chiropractor one time. He was a sleazy guy from Florida. He was filling in. He used my name 29 times in 15 minutes. And I was irritated with him. I was obviously knew what he was doing. I walked out there feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Pavlovian thing. If I say your guy's names, you know, keep on saying it enough, I'll make you feel good. Okay, Everybody that's good to know. Name. I mean, so, so just it's an old thing, but it's a true thing. And somebody will stay tuned to the email if their name is in the beginning, the middle, and at the end, okay? This is key, and especially in emails and also in text, right? You can do the same thing with text about the three things, but I would suggest spreading them out, right? Not three in one text, but you can do that. You know, throughout the text conversation, once you get going, keep on using their name. So in the case of, obviously, the subject line doesn't. So this is the, this is the final thing. And that is, and this is just the thumbnail. Final thing is always ask a question. 
always ask a question. If you ask a question, just like your husband, right? It demands a response, right? You ask a question, okay? But on top of asking the question, it also focuses, so often we get emails and we just don't know what people are talking about, right? I, I just, I, I don't even know what they're talking about, right? It's like you got the, so much work. The more work people have to do, the, I have no patience with it. I don't know what they want or why they even email me. <laughs> when they start in the middle of the conversation and you're like, what? What? What are yeah, you talking about? I mean, about? all this peripheral shit. So basically, <laughs> after the introduction, don't spend too much. Should be It should be like about a two, three paragraph max. But the middle paragraph, the middle paragraph should be a call to action. The call to action must, must be a question. And like I said, with that example, make something up if you don't have one, okay? <laughs> Somehow figure out, you can frame what you're talking about. And here's the final thing. It can't be a question like, what do you think? Or <laughs> what's your take? Oh, no. I don't even know when people say that to me, what they mean. What do you mean? What's, that really paralyzes me. What do, I, what do I think? So what I would say is it should be a yes, no. This is another thing. So a question demands a response. But a limit situation is a behavioral tactic that demands a response. You know, if you have to go left or right or you die, right? You know, right. You're right, going to go left, left or right. Right, yeah. left. So, so this is what's known as a limit situation. And so it should be along the lines of yes, no, agree, disagree. So I, I you know, one easy, you don't want to say yes, no all the time. Say, do you agree? Here's my, so in other words, if I have a text or a paragraph, somebody I send to, I want them to sort of sign off, you know what I mean? Basically, I don't ask them for my input. I said, do you agree with this paragraph? That's it. Because the agree, disagree kind of, you know, basically puts them in that scenario. Um, there are other ways. Can I put you down for being here? Yes, no. You know what I mean? It, don't be afraid. It's like the first thing. I can guarantee you that people's got so much going on right now. Not one person's going to ask you about money in the headline. Uh-uh. They're not going to ask you about blue sky, whatever. No. They wouldn't even ever, you don't have to put any segues. They probably forgot it. You know, it's just, you know, you don't, they're not going to say in the email response, hey, what was this about money? No, they're, they opened it and then they're, they've already forgotten about that. So here's the thing. And the final thing is always follow up. Follow up within 24 hours. Always follow up. And when you follow up, there's no need to write another email. There's no need to write a text. You shouldn't put them on the defense by saying, why didn't you read my text or forwarding the text? You just write the exact same email, copy, paste, new subject line, gone. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's easy. Because I've always like gone back thing. to the original and then done Go reply. Back, text the same thing. Go back to the original text. Cut, copy, paste, gone. Because the point is they didn't see it. <laughs> You're not going to, I guarantee you, no one will come back to you and say, hey, 70% of the people said they would welcome the reminder. I'm telling you that the reason that people don't return these messages is primarily structural, right? Because they didn't see it or it got lost. So the best thing to do is just to send the same email. Love it. That's so easy. I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, it puts them on the defensive too. If you put them on, like I said, people were like a reminder, but if you say to them, imply like they did something wrong by not returning your message, 
well, that can kind of put them in a defensive mode. Right. Yeah. Especially things like, well, why didn't you return my message? That really is stupid. But, you know, even if you say, well, I'm writing you another message because you didn't read my message, you know, that automatically creates a tension that doesn't need to be there. Just write the same message. Assume they didn't see it. Don't assume they're ignoring you. Assume they didn't see it. They didn't see it. Yeah. And I can say from personally, I work night shift and a lot of times I'll wake up in the day while I'm supposed to be sleeping and I check my messages, which I know is an awful habit. And I think, oh, I'll respond back to them later. By the time I wake up and go about my night and go back to work, two days have passed and I forgot that I ever read that email. Right. So I always appreciate when a person follows up with me and then I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I did read that and I just didn't get back with you. Do you you. flag your emails to go back to later? That's what I do. I try. I I, I do. That's like my, one of my main emails. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I'm using my. It's really a challenge to do all that. You know, I mean, I flag my emails and then twice a week I have in my calendar to go back and go through all the flagged emails that I didn't get well, to those you know, days. Well, good for you. That's but what you I do. What? <laughs> but those people you got back to a couple of days later, they've been catastrophizing. Well, <laughs> now everybody, now you know, it's not the day that I'm going through my flagged emails. So there you have it. Um, there you have it. The name of the book is I'll Get Back to You, The Discommunication Crisis. All you have to do if you want to find it is just go and Google. And, you know, we've all heard this saying, oh, I'll get back to you. Just put that in. Do you remember Curious George? Did you guys have Curious George? Just put George. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get back to you and George. You see, that's a very simple memory thing. And then type it in Google and you'll find it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sam. My pleasure. You guys take care. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. Not only can you interact with us in a private online community, you can connect with other listeners and community members. Sherry is going to be hosting monthly hangouts where you can connect and talk, and you have one of those coming up this week, well, as of the week that we're recording. It's tomorrow. That's exciting. You're doing it on, are you doing it on Google Hangouts? I'm going to try a Google meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I also noticed there's a giveaway going on in the VIP community. You're giving away a book. A book from the uh, episode that was released today on finding your life's purpose. So awesome. Yeah. But that's only for members of the VIP community. Yeah. Join us. Join us there. You can join us by going to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP. Choose your monthly membership contribution of $4.99 or $9.99, and you can change to a different tier at the end of any month simply by managing your subscription within the platform. You can actually change in the middle of the month. You can just go in and and change it at any time. You don't have to wait till the end of the month. Choose the option that feels like the right value to you. If you love our podcast, we would love for you to to choose the higher package. It supports the work we do and helps us pay the costs associated with the podcast. And I like to check and see how we're doing. And I just looked and we are officially at three episodes a week are being paid for by the VIP community. I mean, a month, three episodes a month, three episodes a week. I know someone was like, oh my God, we're having three episodes a week. No, we are not having three episodes a week. No, three episodes a month are now paid for thanks to the VIP community members and all of you that are there. We appreciate it more than you know, because, you know, it, it takes a lot of our time and energy. We love doing the podcast, but 
We also love to, to pay for it. <laughs> yes, we do. And we do. I'm really enjoying getting to know everybody on a, you know, closer knit personal level in that group. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Lorraine in Scotland. Hello, Lorraine. She said, I recently heard of and signed up to the Be My Eyes app. It's a service where you offer to be someone's eyes over the internet if they are blind or visually impaired. They just point their phone at whatever they need help with, and you jump in with advice. Today, I had my first call. The call identifies itself on your phone. It literally says, be my eyes, and that someone needs your help. There's no pressure. If it's not a convenient time, you can decline the call, and it moves on to the next available volunteer. My call was from a man who wanted to know who had sent him a letter he had received. It took less than 30 seconds, but it felt amazing afterwards to know I'd helped someone and they didn't have to wait for a family member or friend to stop by. It also made me stop and think about how much I take my sight for granted and how much more difficult daily activities can be for those who are visually impaired. It's such a simple idea, and I wanted to share with your listeners and raise awareness. The only downside I can see, and it's really not one at all, is that volunteers outweigh members by about 10 to 1. While this is fantastic, it does mean you may wait a while for a call or go for a while between them. But I can definitely live with that. That is amazing. Isn't that great? So also, anyone who's listening, if you know someone or if you are someone who has impaired vision, you need to get them or you need to have or they need to get the Be My Eyes app. Yeah. And I didn't look. I mean, I guess this is something that could be local in Scotland, but check it out. Uh, go to the App Store and see if you can find it. But yeah, look for it if, if you want to help or if you're someone who needs that kind of help. Yeah. So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Casey. You don't have to be tidier, thinner, funnier, or smarter. You don't have to be more assertive, more ambitious, more social, or more productive. You can keep growing, but you don't have to be more of anything in order to be enough. You already are. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because so often we we focus on our flaws and wish we were better at that or something. And, but instead, we've got so many great qualities. We can't be good at everything. Well, and I think it's important to remember that just because you're trying to be better at something or more consistent at something or or more successful at something doesn't mean that you're lacking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like being more social, for example. Sometimes you don't want to be social. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to be productive. <laughs> right. Take that that too. Yeah. All right. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to join us in the new Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP and become a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Your support ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Can I say something real quick on that? Several times people have brought to our attention that their internet protection, like their like Norton, Norton security. Yeah. Yeah. That it'll come up and say that it's not a safe site or it's an unchecked site or something. I don't know why this is happening other than we don't have a ton of traffic. So I don't know if you have to have so many hits before it's like a legitimate site according to these companies or what, but I have checked our site repeatedly on safe check it's a safe site. They can't find anything wrong with it. And if you tell your virus protection that you trust the site, it won't ever flag it again. Yeah. 
All right. Good point. Thank you for that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And we'd love for you to leave a review so that we can reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise you'd like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. And until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.